This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thanks to Kevin Carius from Global Television for popping by tonight. Great to have him on the show. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Check them out online at actionfurnace.ca. Eskimos Blue Bombers tomorrow right here on 630 Chad. Joe McKnight will not be the kick returnal. Kenzel Doe back into the lineup after McKnight had the fumbleitis back on Friday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Reed Wilkins with you. You can always text 630-630. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Email insidesports at 630ched.com. The open line number, if you ever want to talk directly to another human being, 780-496-0063. Well, I got to say, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I love doing this show. Hopefully, uh, you guys realize that. And it's pretty cool the people you get to meet and you get to introduce to the listeners. And this young lady, definitely one of them. We are going to tell you the story here of Erin Young. If you look her up on uh, Twitter, by the way, it is A R I N N. Young, uh, I just tweeted out uh, that she's coming on, so you can get her Twitter Twitter handle there. But she has a pretty cool story to tell. She plays wheelchair basketball for Team Canada. Erin, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good. You? I'm doing great. It must be a pretty exciting summer for you. How do you feel that you're heading to the Olympics? Oh, my gosh. I can't even put how excited I am into words, really. I am beyond excited to go and my first Paralympics, so it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> well, no kidding. Let's tell us a little bit about your story. You you play wheelchair basketball. Um, yeah. How how is it that you got into wheelchair basketball? Uh, are, can you, if you don't mind sharing, can you tell us about the injury or the circumstances that have led to this? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually playing basketball, stand up basketball, and lacrosse at the time of my injuries. Um, my right knee, I was playing lacrosse and I got hit illegally and I blew out my right knee completely and I had to wait a full year for a major knee surgery. And once I got that, I went like into recovery mode full time. And then I was playing high school basketball with, uh, Mournville Wolves. Um, and I went to intercept a ball, and I didn't want to land on my weak knee, so I landed on my left leg, and I actually blew up my left knee as well. <laughs> not not really lucky, that's for sure. And um, I had another major knee surgery on my left knee 
and again had another surgery on my right knee. So I've had over three surgeries, and because my injuries were so bad, it limited me. So I could not play able-bodied sports. So I couldn't play basketball or lacrosse again. It's really upsetting. I played basketball my whole entire life, and for someone to tell you that you can't play your sport anymore was like very heartbreaking to me. <laughs> and so. A family friend of mine, uh, Max McMillan, recruited me to wheelchair basketball. His daughter, Katie, had spinal bifida. And when he first recruited me, I kind of was like, I don't need to play this sport. I can still try my best to play stand-up basketball. And he kind of just was, I was really stubborn about it, so he kind of just dragged me to a practice and strapped me into a chair really tight, and he taught me the rules. And then he's like, now go. Go try it. And honestly, my very first practice, I was horrible <laughs> I couldn't do a layup I couldn't shoot I, I couldn't really push the chair and I mean it wasn't really the basketball part that I fell in love with it was the people the community of wheelchair basketball that I fell in love with first like when I first got there people were cheering they're like "Woo, we have another person to play wheelchair basketball and like I'd shoot and I'd miss the ball and the whole gym would go wild like it was it was new for me because when I missed the basket in stand-up basketball, that's not good. And I was really hard on myself. So it was completely different. And I fell in love with the community. And then I started to play more and get better. And it was like a whole different door opened for me with all these new opportunities and everything. So I really fell in love with wheelchair basketball. And then I just excelled in it. So, yeah. That is awesome. So was this in Edmonton you started playing? Was it with the Edmonton Inferno? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's an incredible journey for you, and <laughs> I, I guess that's probably a, an interesting note for a lot of people about w wheelchair basketball. I, I, yeah. I would put myself in this category. I always assumed if you're playing wheelchair sports, you probably have some sort of a spinal injury, but clearly that's yeah. not always the case. Yeah. There's lots of disabilities out there. I have... So my disability would be a minimal disability, so I can still walk, and I, I look normal, but I can't actually run, twist. I can't walk far. I can't do a lot of stairs. So it's, it's really different. It opens a whole new world for people if they just start into the sport because they realize that you're not really alone in your struggle you had while injured, if that makes sense. Yeah. Erin Young joining yeah. us on Inside Sports, a member of the uh, Canadian wheelchair basketball team. She's going to the Paralympics. You are uh, 20 years old. You mentioned yeah. playing at Morinville High School, and you're from Legal uh, originally, so you're just a classic small-town Alberta kid, eh? Yeah, small town. Love it. <laughs> so how, how, does it, uh, how do you wind up at the University of Alabama, of all places? Shouldn't you be a football player if you're going to Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I honestly, I'm really bad at, like, I don't really know a lot of the rules for the American football, so I'm still learning, but no, it's, it's honestly, wheelchair basketball has opened a bunch of doors for me. When I first got classified to make a wheelchair basketball team, uh, my very first year, I went to the world championships and Team Canada won gold, and I mean, it's still an amazing experience, and I I'm still very shocked that we even won gold and like the feeling is still there and it sparks a fire in me every time I talk about it. But ever since then, lots of my teammates have went to the University of Alabama and they talk really highly of it. And that was my next goal was to 
play and represent the University of Alabama, and like now I'm here. Like hard work pays off. <laughs> and are you actually on a on a scholarship to play wheelchair basketball? Yes. That's a, that's amazing. I I wouldn't have even known that Alabama had a team, let alone that you could get a scholarship to play there. So what kind of support? Yeah. What kind of support is there for the team, just in terms of coaching staff and fans and those kind of things? Our coaching staff is great. We have a lot of solid um, coaches that have played wheelchair basketball their whole life, and some have played in the international side of wheelchair basketball. So they bring a lot of experience. And not only that, like. Everyone that come and, comes and watches a game, they're instantly addicted to it. So we get crowds from all over Alabama that come and watch us play and give us big roll tides and everything. And not only that, it's the family part that really helps. Like my parents will fly all the way from Canada to come watch me play, and it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm just really proud of you know, the University of Alabama and our support staff and everything like that. So, Well, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. Uh, Aaron Young joining us on Inside Sports. So uh, tell us about what's happening over the summer, because the Paralympics are a couple weeks after the uh, the Olympics. So what what's your yeah. summer schedule like? Oh, my goodness. My summer schedule started probably in May. <laughs> um, when, let's, I'll just back it up till May. We actually went to Rio for a test event to play Brazil and kind of just get to know the Rio area and like the heat and everything really, uh, the people, the food, like the culture, we have to get to all know that before we go there and not know anything going into the Paralympics. So it all started there. And now we have a lot of training camps. We're training together. Uh, usually it's around 30 days straight and then you get a week off and then you go back together and we train and actually, in the next couple of weeks, we're heading to Netherlands and Great Britain to go play uh, some of the European teams over the summer. And, yeah, we're just traveling a lot and training and playing the sport we love. <laughs> so tell us a little bit. Uh, so you mentioned you won the World Championship. Canada won the Worlds. Was that 2014? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so are you guys the favorite going into the, the Paralympics, or who's some of the tough competition here? Uh, definitely the tough competition is, uh, the, of course, the U.S., um, Germany, your, uh, any Europe team, really. Actually, any team, any team going to the Paralympics are a very strong competitor for us, and we got to take it game by game, and whoever we play, we just got to hope we pull on top of that. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, do you have any family coming to watch you? Is the whole town of Legal going to Brazil in September? <laughs> what's what's going to happen? Um, I'd be really cool. No, my whole family's coming and some of my grandparents and stuff. Like, I'm amazed they're even coming, to be honest with you. It's a long flight for lots of them, and I didn't expect that. But they're no, they're coming down and going to wear the maple leaf really proud and I'm just really excited for them to see my first Paralympics and see the start of my career. So, yeah. So, so what position do you play, and, and how is the strategy of wheelchair basketball or the setup of the positions different from standing basketball, if at all? Maybe it's not different. Um, it's a little different. So my classification is a 4.5, so that's someone who has a minimal disability like me. And you're only allowed 14 points on court. So all the points range from a 1.0 to a 4.5. And so in, in between that can be a 1.5 okay. to a 2.5. Yeah, so 
altogether, you're only allowed 14 points on the court playing basketball. And um, because I'm a 4-5, I actually, it's hard to try to bring it back to an able-bodied position, but I guess I'd be like a center. I'm the big out there, so I have to get inside the key and rough people up when I got to and all that. So, yeah. How 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 physical is the game? I, I mean, obviously you're all in, in chairs, so there's another dimension to trying to get into space yeah. and more to run into, I guess. It is extremely physical. I, from Coming from stand-up to wheelchair basketball, I personally think wheelchair basketball is more physical than stand-up ever was. I mean, there's chair contact, there's body contact, you're hitting the floor like you fall, and you sometimes you can't even control how you fall. Like, you can hit your head, you can hit your shoulders, your wrists, like you can land any way. Like, it's very aggressive. And, I mean, of course there's fouls and stuff like that, but sometimes it doesn't get called and you just have to get back up and keep pushing your heart out on the court and everything. So, yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> Well, I can just tell from talking to you, you're, you're so proud to represent Canada, and, uh, yeah. and you have so much energy. So what an exciting summer it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be. Are you, now, are you currently in, in, uh, in Alabama getting ready to, to go with Team Canada, or what, what's up? Uh, I'm currently in Alabama right now because we just had a little mini camp go on, so I came down to help out and play there and all that. Okay. And who, who do yeah. you play in like is it still the SEC that Alabama is in or, or is the league a little different than it is in in football you you play LSU in those schools in Auburn or oh, how does it gosh. work no 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 we only have um certain teams like our program the wheelchair basketball program is still really new it's only been up since 2004 so there's only a couple of college teams we play against we play it against Texas um Whitewater Illinois uh there's a couple Auburn teams. Um, yeah, there's just only a couple right now. We're still, like, um, growing as a sport here. So Arizona, I believe, just came into the picture as well. So, yeah. And, Aaron, to, just to wrap it up here, I mean, you suffered some, as you described earlier, some, some tough injuries that obviously limited you <laughs> from what you thought you were going to be able to do. Um, there's probably people listening who have who have maybe are currently going through something that's affected their ability to be as physically active as as they would what would want to uh what yeah. what would you what would you say to those people i mean just believe in yourself that's where it really comes from like lots of people will doubt you and you just gotta kind of let them be and show prove who you are and what you can do and what you're capable of and i mean we all have a lot of strengths and weaknesses and it doesn't matter what your weakness is as long as you prove to people who you are and what you can be. Well, Aaron, I don't think anybody doubts you after listening to this interview. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great summer, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be following you and Team Canada at the, uh, at the Paralympics so in Rio. September 8th to 17th, right? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe we'll talk again before then. Thanks a lot for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey. Well, thanks to Aaron. Incredible interview. That is Aaron Young from Legal, Alberta. Played some uh, basketball in Mournville. You heard her describe her, her knee injuries as a teenager. And, uh, you know, she can walk, but can't run, can't walk a long way, has trouble with stairs. Took up wheelchair basketball. 
what an incredible attitude on that young lady. That was just a pleasure to be able to talk to her. You can let me know what you think, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Just an honor to be able to bring her story to you and definitely a local athlete uh, will all be following. She's got a long career ahead of her. She's already a big part of that team, was already on a world championship gold medal team for uh, Team Canada a couple of years ago. And it's uh, some one to watch when we get into the Paralympics in September. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. And i got to say thanks to Inside Sports listener Mitch, who uh, actually suggested Aaron. And I will say this, some of the best interviews we've had on this show since I've hosted have been listener suggested. So if you have somebody, especially in these summer months, you know, when a when, when uh, w- there's really some more time to tell some stories, inside sports at 630chet.com. Send me an email. Send me some background on the person. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll call you back. I'll check into it. And if there's a great story there to tell, we will tell it. It's 821. You're listening to 630chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Want to update that football game going on, by the way. 27-20, Ottawa leading Toronto now late in the fourth quarter. Just over a minute to go, and uh, Ottawa's in a situation here where they're down on the Toronto 20. I think they're going to kneel down and then kick a field goal to ice it. The decisive points in this game, remember Tristan Jackson? He returned a punt 75 yards for a touchdown with uh, about 11 minutes left. And that has given Ottawa the lead. So they can stay undefeated. They do have that tie. But, uh, yeah, they will be 3-0-1. Sam G. texting in. He says, Reed, that was an extremely well-spoken and exciting person. Uh, Enjoyed that interview a lot. Thank you, Sam G., for listening to that. That was Aaron Young, again, from the Canadian women's wheelchair basketball team. Northern Alberta girl, 20 years old. She is from Legal, Alberta. If you want to follow her on Twitter, she's got a great Twitter handle, by the way. Uh, I, I tweeted it out, or if you want to check it out, it is Da Juice, capital D-A-H underscore Juice. Well, I love the kids these days and the stuff they come up with. We got Eric on the open line. Hey, Eric, what's up? Hey, uh, just listening to that young lady. She uh, sounds like a real inspiration. Uh, my niece got involved in that. Um, she had a handicap friend in Saskatoon and got involved in that, uh, playing wheelchair basketball. And I uh, saw them at Seville Centre here last spring, and it's deadly sport, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Eric, I, I, I mean, I, I just through covering sports for, for a living for the last decade and a half, I've, I've seen a lot of different stuff. I haven't seen a lot of wheelchair basketball, but I did my, my internship as a Nate student in, in Saskatoon in 1999. That's where I met uh, Jay Onright, who comes on the show a few times. Right. And I covered the wheelchair rugby national tournament for men. Now, it's in a gym, and yeah. it's sort of a combination between basketball, football, and rugby. And yeah. if you set a pick on a guy and you plowed into him with your chair and you went flying out, it was play on until there was a whistle. Like, yeah, it, it was yeah. rough. These guys oh, were yeah. tough. Yeah, no, my niece is now coaching the Saskatoon team, so uh, I went and saw them play. And, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, they, these uh, young ladies and get out there and 
do the do the best they can, and away they go. Now, did your niece, uh, if you don't mind me asking, was it uh, was it spinal related, or was it something more structural? No, she's like not, she's not handicapped. Oh, she just started playing. Yeah, she her, she had a handicapped friend. Oh, sorry. Okay. And uh, they were short for players, and she says, "Well, why don't you come out and play?" And Melanie says, "Well." Okay, <laughs> that man. And off she went, and she's been uh, playing with them ever since, and now she's coaching the ladies. Oh, okay, well that's uh, that. Yeah, that's that's must have been tough because there's a whole other level of athleticism involved because you have to maneuver the chair and still oh, yeah. be able to handle the ball and the. I mean the. I think the ball movement. I mean they're trying to move the ball to get the, an open shot. Right, just yeah, like you would yeah. in in standing basketball, but there's the whole element of pivoting and turning and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. If you ever if uh, you ever hear of them playing at Seville Center again, you got to go check it out, man. Eric, thanks for calling, buddy. You're welcome. Have a good night. We also have Lewis on the open line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Lewis. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Good. Hey, uh, I was just thinking about um, you know you're talking about the football game and stuff. They were talking the other day about the tied games in the CFL, and they want to try to figure out a way to get away from ever having a tied game. Yeah, well, there's not that many. The last games are. Sorry? I was just going to say the last one was 2009, so they're still pretty rare. I think there's about two or three a decade. Yeah, so, but uh, most of them, if it's a tied game or if it's it's even close, it's usually done off of a field goal, correct? Uh, right. Yeah, because it was points behind, and they kick a field goal, and they tie it up, and away they go, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. That's what happened to the um, Eskimos. If yeah. They, uh, what do you think about this? If they are going to kick a field goal to tie the game, and there's two seconds left on the clock, what happens if they drop the ball back another 15 yards to give them an extra point? Yeah, that's an interesting idea, Lewis. And I know that. Uh, do you remember the uh, World League of American Football or NFL Europe or whatever they called it? Field yep. goals of longer than 50 yards were worth four points in that league. And I know sometimes leagues float that as making field goals worth more. Or or sometimes making the NFL, I think, several years ago was thinking about making field goals worth less so teams would go for it on fourth down more. I just think that, I, personally, Lewis, I wouldn't tinker with the point value. I think you just have to say it's worth three regardless of how far it is. I know what you're saying, like, tie games are, I guess no one really wants a tie. I just don't think that they happen enough, personally, for it to be for it to be a problem. But you, you would like longer field goals to be worth more, right? Well, I mean, it would be their option, right? They could kick a 40 and tie the game, or they could go for a 55 and either win or lose. Oh, so you're saying that they would have the option moving. Well, that, that'd be interesting. We were talking about right. conservative coaches earlier in the game. <laughs> it's, but, yeah, you know, or either, <laughs> or either when they're going for the two-point conversion, right? Right. If they're going for a two-point conversion, what do they go off of the 15-yard line? The two-point right? conversion is from the three. The extra point is kicked from the 32, so the ball's spotted at the 25. Yeah, so if they're going to go for a two-point conversion, instead of going, you know, from the three, go from the 20. And get three points. Yeah, they they talked about that with fifteen yards to it, right? Yeah, I know that's an interesting one. Having a three point convert, they talked about that when they brought in the rule changes last year. But sometimes, as you know, Lewis, sometimes change is pretty slow in pro sports. It can be pretty conservative when it comes down to it. I got a break for the news, buddy. Thanks for calling. Perfect. Thanks a lot. That is Lewis at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ottawa has won thirty twenty. 
over the Toronto Argos tonight. The next CFL game involves your Edmonton Eskimos. It is coming up tomorrow night. All right, uh, we'll keep rolling here. Tell you what, what a show. We're going to talk drag racing with uh, Edmontonian Tim Boychuk. He's racing at Castrol Raceway this weekend. Uh, that'll be fun. Some of your thoughts on the text line as well. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Yeah, turn it up, Bernard. Let's hear it. Classic. Love it. You know this band, buddy? Yes, I do. Because you're playing the song. Well, when I worked at um, an, like an old radio station back in my uh, intern days, I this song always plays on that station. On an old radio station? I wouldn't say old. Like, the station that I used to work with. Uh, is it an oldie station? Uh, no, it's like an um, AC station. You can say what it is. It's in Wainwright. What was it Wayne FM? Yeah. Yeah, it's a new cap station. Yeah, they used to play it. Yeah, turn this part up. <laughs> I'm air drumming right now. Everybody imagine me air drumming. Uh, all right. I don't think we're allowed to play full songs, except at Christmas time. Maybe not even then. I don't know. How's it going? That was Queens of the Stone Age. This is Inside Sports on 630 Shed. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a fun show tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. That is uh, Bernard Suen on the other side of the window. Bernard, we got an Eskimos game uh, when? Tomorrow? Uh, on the 14th, so tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow. Thursday. Uh, last time the Eskimos played a game in Winnipeg, do you know what happened? No, I didn't know what happened for that one. They won the Great Cup. The Great Cup was in Winnipeg last year, and they won. Oh. Beating Ottawa. And uh, quarterback Mike Riley talking about being back in the peg. Good memories. I'd, I'd like to build better, newer memories, but, uh, yeah, the last time I was in this uh, stadium, I've always liked this stadium a lot. Um, from the time that they opened it up, I've always thought it's one of the better venues to play in. With the the fans are great, but the stadium itself is is really top notch. So it's cool to be back here, um, you know. But once the ball's kicked off, you can't worry about any of that stuff. You got to worry about you know. I didn't play Winnipeg last time I was in this stadium, so uh, crowd wasn't quite as crazy, and it will be tomorrow for sure. First road game for this team. Uh, the nuances of playing on the road and uh, a tough stadium quality opponent, uh, is this a good test for this team? Absolutely. Um, going on the road is always a challenge. It's a challenge that I love. You know, I love playing at Commonwealth more than anything, but going into somebody else's house and trying to beat them in front of their, their fans is always a tough challenge, and that's what you want as a competitor. You want to go in and, and go against a difficult scenario, and this is going to be one for us. Um, you know, Winnipeg's coming off of a big win against Hamilton. Uh, they're playing good football, and this is always a tough place to play in. I don't, you know, even the past couple years they haven't had team success, but you come into the stadium, you know that you're in for a dogfight and it's going to be no different. You're going to get uh, Richie Hall coach defense again mm-hmm. and that means you're going to see a lot of pressure. Oh, no question. I mean, he's he's a good defensive coordinator. It's always difficult to play against his defenses. Um, you know, but we have a lot of faith in what we're doing. I think that as much as he's going to make our life difficult, I think we're going to make his life pretty difficult too. And that's a good battle to have. That's a good matchup sure. to have. Um, but, you know, I think uh, 
watching Coach Moss and how he game plans and how he puts us in a position to be successful. Um, you know, I don't really worry too much about what the defense is going to do. I go out there and I go through my progressions, and I know he's going to put me in a good situation. You know, in two games, it's been slow starts in the first quarter, but you've had some production moving the ball. Mm -hmm. Is it easy to, to stay kind of even keeled because you know, okay, we got three quarters left? Not that you're trying to come out and start slow, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I see both sides of it for sure. I mean, we, we don't panic. We know a football game is four quarters, and apparently for us, four quarters and an overtime, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we know that there's a lot of football to be played. So if the first quarter doesn't go exactly how we want it to, um, you know, we certainly try to come out and play our best from the opening kickoff, but we got a lot of football to play in a 60-minute game. So, um, you know, we don't worry about it. I don't get too fired up and, until the fourth quarter, and then I get real fired up. But, uh, you know, we want to come out and we want to start fast, and we want to do that tomorrow. Um, but there's a lot of twists and turns in a football game. If you come out and play great in the first quarter and you play like crap for the other three, you're not going to win. So uh, we try to play uh, the best that we can for the entire game. All right, that is your quarterback, Mike Riley, talking to our Dave Campbell as the Eskimos arrived in Winnipeg today. Kickoff tomorrow at 6.30. Our coverage on 6.30, Chad, will commence at 5. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott there to cover the game as the uh, Bombers come in 1-2. and two. The Eskimos come in 1-1. One and one. Edmonton playing four of their first five games at home, six of their first nine on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. But here's their first away game of the year. And, uh, you know, certainly some uh, legitimate concerns about the team, about the defense, They've given up a lot of points. Here's Odell Willis. Uh, it's a defense in progress. I mean, as you can see, the second game, we started to click a little bit, started to make a little play, started to get a couple more turn out. So, like I said, we just a work in progress. And like I said, as long as we got that offensive coach, Moss and Mike Riley, I mean, I feel like we'll be able you know, you know, progress a little bit more and they'll be able to protect us as the season go on. <laughs> I know you don't measure pressure by the amount of sacks you get. Um, but have you got enough pressure this year? I mean, first game, like I said, I don't think we matched their intensity because, you know, I feel like we was coming somewhat feeling ourselves and just thought people were going to lay down to us. And as far as the second game, I thought we did real well because, I mean, if people actually pay attention to the game and see what's going on, they had tight ends the whole game. They had – they was chip blocking the whole game. So, I mean, we didn't we – got, we got the pressure that we wanted, I mean, for, for what they gave to us. But, like I said, we're very – we're very happy with what we did and like I say, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna let us go one on one with enter your O lineman any day because like I say, I mean that's murder on you. I feel like we have the, one of the best D lines in the league and like I say, if you just paid attention to the game, Saskatchewan did a great job of just leaving tight ends in, running backs and doing the best they can getting the ball out quick so we could, they could protect their quarterback. You guys all year are gonna see a lot of extra men on the line, a lot of tight ends, aren't you? I mean, but that's a good thing, though. I mean, because if we're getting tight ends and running backs, that means you don't have but three or four guys going out to run routes. That means our guys can cover. That means we got like five or six guys in coverage on your three. So, I mean, that's a great thing. And our thing is we just got to keep it going all year so we can continue to get those tight ends and running backs so it would be less work for the back end. And if we could do that, I feel like we'd be pretty good. There he is, Odell Willis, the Eskimos with just two sacks so far this season. He does point out that uh, Saskatchewan left in an extra guy or two to block, often against the Eskimos on Friday night. Not a lot of pressure for the green and gold, and I, I think part of it, re regardless of what Saskatchewan was doing blocking-wise, is 
let's face it, the Eskimos secondary was having some problems, and often they were dropping eight. All five defensive backs, all three linebackers were going to back into coverage, and it's hard to get pressure with four guys against five offensive linemen or five offensive linemen and a tight end or five linemen, a tight end and a running back or whatever combination you want to look at. So we'll see how the Eskimos do tomorrow. I mean, look, I... I kind of feel like I've I've been hard on Winnipeg. I don't think they're a good team, but they certainly are, are dangerous, and Edmonton's going to have to watch for it and make sure Drew Willey doesn't get rolling, but I think it is a team that, that hopefully they can handle and uh, and jump on a little bit. Inside Sports on 630, Ched. Gordo says, great song. Talking about uh, No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age there, Bernard. Is that song now an oldie? What was it, 2004? It's not that old. It's not an oldie. Alan and Darren says, Man, when I heard that song coming back from break, I was uh, sending it into the universe to come in with a long intro. It made the night here for me and my young apprentice, apprentice pulling wrenches out here. Uh, love the show. Love how you took that Oilers hater to task earlier. <laughs> That is from uh, Alan and Darren, my young apprentice. You guys aren't Sith Lords, are you? Maybe they're Jedi. <laughs> now they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot what a nerd read is. We said something nice. We, we opened the door for him to make a Star Wars reference. Now Alan and Darren are like, what did we do? Well, being a nerd is cool, I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> uh, quickly here, uh, some hockey notes today. Jesse Pugliarve, Jesse Pugliarve signs his entry-level contract with the Oilers. Of course, it's for three years. George McPhee will be the first general manager of the Las Vegas NHL team. Justin Schultz, one-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins for $1.4 million. I just, I just love playing there. I like the teammates. Uh, my coaches, I think, helped me a lot. You know, I like the city. It's a great sports town. Um, you know, I, I'm comfortable there. I, I think I fit in well. And I uh, played well, and I'm just looking to improve on that uh, next year. And, of course, Schultz was an oiler, traded to the Penguins, got to win the Cup. Uh, not really. Uh, slowly. Uh, you don't really, I don't really want to come down from that. It was, it was pretty cool. But, um, you know, I got my Cup day coming up here soon, so that'll be exciting and a lot of fun. Oh, it was, I don't even know, I blacked out, I think. Um, I just remember Sid uh dumping the puck out and there's still about five seconds or so on on the clock and and we all went nuts and uh it was the coolest thing i've ever been a part of justin schultz on oilers now earlier today get the full interview on the oilers now page on 630ched.com inside sports presented by action furnace home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee you can visit actionfurnace.ca we have had a diverse show it is about to get even diversier We're going to talk a little drag racing with an Edmonton driver when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, you got a uh, text back from uh, Alan and Darren. He goes, ha ha, we are heavy duty mechanics. Strong with the force we are. <laughs> Love it. It is 848 Inside Sports on Chet. How about the Ottawa Red Blacks? 
30-20 winners over Toronto tonight. It was 20-20. Tristan Jackson ran a punt back 75 yards for a touchdown to uh, make a big difference in that one. Ottawa added a late field goal. Hey, this weekend at Castrol Raceway, it's the IHRA Mopar Rocky Mountain Nationals. And we got an Edmonton driver in there, 53-year-old Tim Boychuk. He does the uh, drag racing with the Nitro Funny Cars, and he is trying to push here for a championship late in his season. Tim's on the line now. Tim, welcome to Inside Sports, man. How are you doing? I'm Derek Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time for me because I know you're getting ready for a uh, a pretty big weekend here. It's the Mopar Rocky Mountain Nationals at Castrol Raceway, and uh, it's all going to start on on Friday night. So, what's what's the week like for you leading into this? Is it making sure the car's ready? Is it making sure you're ready? Tell me about it. Well, Reed, we got a lot of stuff going on. We uh, uh, the cars in Calgary getting wrapped right now. It's going to be in Edmonton here tonight, or first thing in the morning. Uh, most of the cars ready to go. We got a few odds and ends on the engine to touch up, but uh, we're pretty pretty confident. We just came off a win in Spokane, Washington last weekend, and run the fastest we've ever run, which was a five sixty two point five point six two one second two hundred forty four mile an hour lap, uh, which won the race. And, and, and it was the fastest this car has ever gone. And the, the track record or the, the, the circuit record is a 5.59. So we're, we're right there. We're, we're uh, very competitive. The car is ready to go. And uh, we'll be in Edmonton. We will qualify on Friday night at 9. And then we Saturday, we've got two run, uh, qualifiers. And Sunday, we got eliminations. And uh, we, we know we're going to be through all three rounds of eliminations. We're pretty darn confident about that. Our car is really back on rails. We've won this Edmonton race three times in a row, but have not been past the finals, uh, or lost in the finals the last three times in a row. So, but the car's there, we're there, and we're ready to go and ready to rock and roll. All right, so well, it's a good track for you. That's great, and it's your home track, and I, I want to talk about that. But you mentioned, uh, I think you said 5.621 seconds of 250, 260 miles per hour. Give us a sense of, of the distance that you're covering in that short period of time and what that speed feels like because the acceleration is incredible the way i look at it read it's like being you're the you're the rock in a slingshot you don't go backwards you only go forwards and uh you're you're very tight in the seat so it's it's, it's quite compelling but uh it's 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 really surreal how things change when you're in the car and you start concentrating what you got to do and and believe it or not, you can actually see people in the stands and see stuff, believe it or not. It's, it, it slows right down. It's really cool. It's, it's quite the experience and, and quite the rush. So in those, in those few seconds, you're, you're still able to, to process some of the crowd reaction and what's going on around you. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound believable, but it is that way. When you get going in the car down the track, it's like, wow, man, you, 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 see, you, you look to the left, you look to the right, you see trying to look where the other car is. You look at half track and see, because uh, we shift the car once and it's usually just past half track and you, you, you can actually see that stuff happening in front of you. So for us in the car, it slows down quite a bit. It's 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 really neat. It's a, it's quite the experience. Uh, what is it, a quarter mile you cover? Correct. We cover the quarter mile and like I say, uh, on the weekend in Spokane, we uh, just run our best ever, 244 miles an hour and 5.621 seconds. Okay, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, Tim Boychuk uh, joining us here on 630 Ched. You're going to see him this weekend at Castrol Raceway. It's the uh, 
Am Soil uh, Nitro Funny and uh, Nitro uh, Motorcycle teams are coming into town. It's the Mopar Rocky Mountain Nationals. It's going to be great stuff. Tim's been telling you how incredibly fast he goes. How did you get into this, uh, Tim? What was uh, what drew you into this sport in this world? It's kind of funny. Uh, I, I started actually on the oval track, and it was adult beverages that got me into the the deal, meeting with people and. Uh, uh, then uh, it kind of progressed, progressed. I run the oval track for 12 years, and then I had enough. I was going to pack it up. And uh, a good friend of mine, Cal Teb, says, uh, maybe I want to try this drag stuff. And over some libations, uh, by the end of the night, I bought his funny car and run in the, the, the nostalgia cars in the alcohol class, which would be running here this weekend. And they put on a heck of a show. And uh, I, I started running with them guys and and ended up going into top fuel and then back into these nitro funny cars. So it, it, it's like I say, adult beverage is what got me here. So, all right. Well, you, you sound like you got a rubber arm that can easily be twisted, but you obviously have <laughs> the passion for it as well. From, from a competitive standpoint, I mean, you, you mentioned you're coming off a win and you mentioned in past seasons, Edmonton's been a good stop for you. Um, I, I mean, the hometown angle for you is great, but this is huge for you this weekend because you're in the hunt for the championship, and it's pretty late in your IHRA season here. That's correct, but uh, uh, Twig Ziegler is my crew chief, and he's taken the car over in the last year and a half from another fellow that was tuning for me, and uh, he's brought us a tune-up of all tune-ups, and, and I'm so confident here that uh, this weekend it's, it's, it's our weekend and uh, it's up to everybody else to try and catch us. So we're, we're pretty confident in our, in our car and how it's running. And uh, if I don't mess up as a driver, uh, look for us in the winner's circle. We'll be real close to it. How can a driver, and, and like I, I have no idea, so that's why I'm asking, how can a driver mess up in a, in a race that quickly what's going through your mind what do you have to react to to make sure because we're talking thousands of a second sometimes can be the difference between first second or qualifying or not that's correct reed and, and what it is is for for me as a driver i have to uh, i have to leave the line on time and shift on time and uh and shut it off on time and and through all that i have to stay as a consistent driver that they can tune the car without having to worry about me making changes. So if, if I stay consistent, they can tune the car to my consistency as a driver. And, and, and for me, that's the only thing I worry about is making sure that I don't, I don't leave too late and don't shift wrong. And that's my two biggest things that I worry about when I drive the car. So um, that way, Twig can tune the car around my driving. And in uh, Spokane on our second run in the semifinals, I shifted late due to a malfunction of sorts and uh, we dropped four cylinders and uh, they came back and then the second round I shifted perfect and the car went and that's when it ran the 562. The other one was a 565 and if I wouldn't have shifted late we would have been right there probably even faster than the 562. So that's how critical it is to the driver being consistent in driving the car. All right and, and Tim just tell me about this uh, this life. I mean, you mentioned you were you were thinking of getting out of it, and and you you've changed a little bit, and and you've kept rolling along. And I, I can just tell by talking to you how much you enjoy it and how passionate you are. Um, but is it but is it is it a tough lifestyle with the uh, with the travel? And and I assume you don't have uh, contracts like NHL players get too, right? <laughs> That's correct. We do, we don't have a contract, but you know what? Um, I'm able to do it through my through my work and uh, some very great sponsors of mine, MHK. Insurance, Macklock Construction, Edmonton Kenworth, Edmonton Packleys, um, 
Ozno Graphics, Inline Industries, they all help me out. So it helps us on a lot of the small end stuff. And then on the big end stuff, we kind of do our own thing. But um, we go out there, we, we work hard and, and we play hard. We travel a lot. And this year's probably the most we've traveled. Uh, I mean, this past weekend we were in, uh, in Spokane, Washington, which we won. The weekend before we were in Grand Bend, Ontario. The weekend before that we were in uh, Bud's Creek, Maryland, which we won. So we've been having a real successful year with all the new stuff that we've changed and done. So we're really happy with what's going on. And yeah, we travel a lot, but you know what? My wife's involved, Donna, and she really enjoys being with, and, and she cooks for the team and makes all the arrangements for the, for the crew and flights and rooms and rental cars. And we just, we just have a good time. We're living love life. Great. And it's, it's a good time and we're having fun. And to be back here in our hometown, is, is that much better, and, and we feel we've got a real good car coming in the weekend, and, and the other guys better be prepared. Tim, right on, man. All the best this weekend. Starts Friday, continues Saturday and Sunday at Castro Raceway. Hey, man, great interview. Thanks so much for making time for us. Go get them this weekend. You bet, Reed, and I hope to see you out here. That is Tim Boychuk. He's ready to go. The Mopar Rocky Mountain Nationals at Castro Raceway. As he said, he's going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Fun show tonight besides Tim. You also heard from Aaron Young from the Canadian Women's Wheelchair Basketball Team. Global TV's Kevin Carius. Dave Campbell, who's also the producer of this show. He's with the Eskimos in Winnipeg. Doug Brown, who covers the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Brendan Ulrich was in studio. Eskimos and Bombers, 5 o'clock pregame tomorrow. 6.30 kickoff right here on 6.30. Chad Bernard soon is the studio operator this evening. Bernard, I think there's only one thing left to say as we wind it down for the evening. C'est pour moi! C'est pour toi! C'est pour nous! C'est pour vous! Pour le Portugal! 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.